Well, good morning again. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in a great time of worship, something that I I think uh, we all could use this morning. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open to Exodus chapter 12. We'll get there in just a moment. Uh, We have been in a series this Lent called The Exit, where we're looking at six passages from one of the greatest exit stories in the Bible, the story of the Exodus. And it's a story about God's people exiting from their captivity in Egypt and going to what God often refers to as the good and spacious land. Well, yesterday, uh, I was working at my desk at home, and my oldest son, Noah, came down to the basement where I was working to get something, and he said, Dad, I've been thinking about your sermon tomorrow, and I think you should preach on the seven plagues. And uh, I wanted to respond to him, son, it's actually 10 plagues, not seven. But the irony of what my son had to say is we're at the place in Exodus where we're looking at the plagues and really looking at the end of the plagues. And today we're going to look at the story of the Passover, which may just be a little too timely and come a little too close to home. But my hope is what we discover in this story is how God cares for his people and God is near to his people in the midst of whatever chaos we find ourselves in. Well, last week we left off with God calling Moses uh, to go to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to demand that he let his people, the Israelites, leave their slavery in Egypt. And here's what's happened since. Uh, After this, in Exodus chapter 4, Moses continues to give excuses for why he shouldn't be the guy to go and do this. And one of his excuses is, I'm not eloquent. I'm not the guy that you want to go and talk to Pharaoh. And so uh, God says, fine, I'll give you your older brother Aaron. He'll be your mouthpiece. He'll be your spokesperson. And so Moses and Aaron, they go to Pharaoh, and they request that Pharaoh let their people go, and Pharaoh refuses. And so this is followed then by a series of plagues that sweep through the land. And these plagues include uh, the river Nile turning into blood, frogs, Gnats, flies, livestock, hail, locusts, and darkness. Coronavirus doesn't sound so bad when you hear about these plagues. But Pharaoh still wouldn't let the Israelites go. And so then God tells Moses that he will bring one more plague upon Egypt. He will strike down every firstborn son in the land. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh to the firstborn son of the slave girl, to the firstborn son of all the cattle as well. And this brings us to the passage we're going to look at this morning in Exodus 12, which is a significant chapter in the Bible. It tells the story of the Passover, where the Israelites will finally make their exit. They'll finally make their departure. And in order for them to exit, they will need two things, salvation and sustenance. In this story, We will see, however, not just that the Israelites needed God's salvation and sustenance, but that we do as well, and God has provided that for us in Christ. So let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for the words of the song that we just sang. Oh, precious is the flow. Oh, precious is the blood of Jesus. We're so grateful for your salvation this morning. And I pray that in these few quiet moments that you would prepare us 
for what it is that you want to do in our midst today, whether it's here physically in this building or wherever we're joining online. And pray that we would experience your presence in a tangible and a special way. And pray, Jesus, that as we look to these scriptures, you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive from you, afresh and anew. And pray, Holy Spirit, that you would anoint me to proclaim good news that you have for your church today. Lord, for those who are experiencing stress and anxiety, I pray that you would give them comfort and peace. For those of us who maybe need to be challenged in some way this morning, would you do that? We love you. We thank you for speaking to us. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Well, let's begin by looking at Exodus chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 11. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked in your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Well, this chapter is full of a series of imperatives and directives from God. First of all, God tells Moses and Aaron right up front that what he's about to do is so significant that from here on out, their religious year will actually begin with this month. And then he goes on from there to instruct that each man take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Every household would need a lamb. And therefore, if a household was too small for a lamb or too poor to get one themselves, then those who had a lamb must share this was to be a communal event where everyone had access to the lamb. And not just any lamb, God says. A lamb without defect. Well, the next imperative at first glance seems a bit bizarre. God goes on to say, then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of their home. And then God gives instructions on how they're to eat the lamb and even what they're to wear while they eat it. God says, roast the lamb over fire with bitter herbs, which symbolizes the bitterness of their slavery in Egypt. And then bread without yeast, which we'll come back to in a moment. And God says, roast with the head, the legs, and the internal organs, your cloak tucked in your belt, and your sandals on, and your staff in hand. Now, this was the method that wandering shepherds used to cook meat. See, these wandering shepherds were always on the go, and so they couldn't waste time. We've probably all been there where we're really busy and we need to get a quick bite to eat. 
I think of earlier this week, I had a day where it was just a day full of meetings, and I had about 20 minutes in between a late afternoon meeting and an, an evening meeting, and I went home for about 20 minutes, talked with Becky for a bit, found some food in the fridge, threw it in a bowl, put it in the microwave, grabbed the bowl, kissed my wife goodbye, and ate while I was on the go to the next meeting. Shoes on, coat on, standing the entire time. This is what God is doing here. God is saying, you need to grab some food and go. It's time to go. And then God tells them why. Why they need the lamb and why they need the blood on the door frames. It's the Lord's Passover. God goes on to say this in verses 12 through 14. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will teach you or will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. So God tells them to put blood on the door frames as a sign. The blood of the lamb marks and seals the households as ones that belong to God and therefore will save the people from death. See, the perfect lamb was to be a substitute for each member of the family. The people ultimately needed the blood of the lamb because they would need salvation. They needed the life that God would offer. But they also needed bread. They needed sustenance for the journey. God goes on to instruct the people to eat a different kind of bread for the next seven days. Bread without yeast. This would reflect the haste with which the people of Egypt. They would need sustenance for their journey, but they didn't have time to bake the bread like they normally would. And so the text goes on to even say that whoever eats bread with yeast will be cut off from the community. Why? Well, this would show a lack of readiness and also a lack of dependence on God's provision. To eat bread without yeast shows that the Israelites have faith that God will sustain them. And therefore, they do not have to be sustained by the empire and the Egyptians' food. Eating this flatbread asserts that they're able to leave Egypt and God will provide them bread for the journey. It's interesting how thousands of years later, we still find ourselves needing bread. If you've been to a grocery store in the last few days, you probably recognize there's not much bread left or toilet paper. If this was the 2020 version of the Passover, God would have to provide toilet paper for the people. But what God's doing here is he's providing a different kind of bread. And this will become a key symbol of God's provision and sustenance all throughout the book of Exodus. As God will provide special bread from heaven called manna while the Israelites are journeying in the wilderness. And so the people need salvation and they need sustenance. Blood and bread and God will provide both. The great Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann says this. He says, Eating in anxious hurry and putting blood on doorposts marks specialness, a sense of being wondrously protected, valued, and safe. Well, here's the rest of the story. Moses goes on from here to summon all the people. He relays God's instructions to them, and the people do as he says. And as God predicted, the destroyer comes at midnight, 
wipes out all the firstborn sons, and it says that there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. So Pharaoh panics. He summons Moses and Aaron, and now he tells them to get out. But before they do, he asks them to bless him. And so the people get ready to go, taking their dough with them. The Lord makes the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the Israelites, and the Israelites officially and finally make their exit from Egypt. Well, this Passover story is a powerful story, a powerful story of how God saved and sustained his people. It is a defining moment for the Jews, which is reenacted every year when they celebrate Passover. But it's also our story, because we too need a lamb, and we also need bread. Like the Israelites in Egypt, we find ourselves held in captivity and bondage to sin, and in need of salvation and sustenance, lamb and bread. And the good news is that in and through Jesus, we have it. You see, God's people would go on from here, and they would still need salvation and sustenance. They they would still sacrifice a lamb every single year. But this would ultimately one day be fulfilled in Jesus. In fact, in the New Testament, we see over and over Jesus being referred to as a lamb and also as bread. First of all, Jesus is the Lamb of God. Let me just read to you a few scriptures that we find in the New Testament that reflect this. In John 1, 29, during the ministry of John the Baptist, we read, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In 1 Corinthians 5, 7 and 8, Paul writes, get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And then in Hebrews 7, 27, we read, Unlike the other high priest, he, Jesus, does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. One more, Hebrews 9, 26 through 28, Otherwise Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. He will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. You see, as a result of our disobedience to God, we are held in captivity. Apart from God, we are held in captivity to sin and death. We cannot exit this captivity on our own. We need salvation. We need a lamb. Well, God the Father, in his great love, provided the lamb for his family. Jesus the Son is the lamb of God, the perfect one, without defect, who takes away the sin of the world once and for all by sacrificing himself on the cross. Jesus is our Passover lamb. And the Bible teaches that if we place our faith and our trust in him, then we are set free from captivity to sin and death. We are marked and sealed by his blood, and therefore the consequences of sin and death pass over us. Friends, this is good news. This is great news. Jesus is the Lamb of God that was slain for us. But Jesus is also the bread of life. Jesus sustains us 
for our journey with him. The Israelites made unleavened bread so they could eat in haste. God sustained them in the wilderness with manna, bread from heaven. But Jesus came bringing the ultimate sustenance for our journey of faith. In John 6, Jesus performs these two great miracles. He walks on water. He feeds the 5,000. So afterwards, the people are they're, they're marveled by this, and they're asking Jesus all kinds of questions, even to the point where one person even asked Jesus to give him a sign. And here's how Jesus responds in John 6, 32 through 35. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And of course, those of us who have been around in the church for a while, we know that this all culminates in Jesus' Last Supper, where he was celebrating the Passover with his disciples. But he gave it new meaning. He took the bread, and we recognize these words when we take communion as a church. He took the bread, and he broke. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Then he took the cup, and he said, this is my blood, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. See, Jesus here wasn't just celebrating the Passover story. He was becoming the Passover story. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we are saved from our sin and we are sustained for the journey. So how do we respond? How do we respond to this significant story? Well, let me offer you three suggestions. First of all, we receive the lamb. We receive the lamb. If you find yourself this morning in your own Egypt, in need of salvation, if you find yourself in captivity to sin, or maybe for some of us, it's not sin, but it's, it's the stuff. It's the other things that so easily entangle us. Maybe it's depression or addiction. Maybe it's fear or anxiety. What is it that you find yourself held captive to? Do you find yourself venturing out in faith, but still needing to be sustained, crying out, God, give us this bread. The Lamb of God has come for you. The bread of heaven has come down for you. Jesus has come so that all might have access to him, to his love and to his grace. Will you receive him into your hearts? We, we need the lamb. We need to receive the lamb. Second, we share the lamb. Uh, every, every week when I'm preparing a message, I feel like the Holy Spirit just highlights one or two verses for me. And this week, as I've been studying... Uh, Exodus 12, especially in light of what's going on in our world, the verse that the Holy Spirit has highlighted for me, Exodus 12, verse 4. I want us to go back to that verse. This is God's instructions again to Moses and Aaron. He says, if any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor. See, God gave his people responsibility to care for one another. They were to share the lamb with their nearest neighbor. Well, if Jesus is the true lamb of God, if he is our Passover lamb, then what does it look like here and now today to share the lamb, to share Christ, to show Jesus' love 
to our nearest neighbor. And we do this through announcement, through literally telling others about Jesus, but also demonstration by tangibly blessing others. So let me ask you this morning, who is your nearest neighbor? I mean, a good place to start is your literal nearest neighbor. How can you serve your neighbor? How can you love your neighbor? Maybe for some of you, it's your nearest coworker, your nearest friend, your nearest family member. How could you share the lamb? How could you share Christ with them? As I think about the age of coronavirus that we now live in, I'm struck by the question, what does it mean when we have to practice social distance to come near to our neighbor? What a great opportunity we have as a church to share Christ with our nearest neighbor this season. How can we live this out? Well, I've been brainstorming and praying about this, but I have a few ideas. I mean, maybe, maybe one way that we share Christ with our nearest neighbor in this season is we'd be encouragers. There's a lot of people out there who are afraid, who are anxious, who are discouraged. Perhaps we could be a source of calm and peace and encouragement. Maybe it means we don't hoard the toilet paper or the bread, but we share with others. Maybe it means that we check on our nearest neighbors, especially the vulnerable, the elderly. Maybe we look for opportunities to serve people in need. The families who are wondering where their kids are going to get breakfast and lunch the next several weeks. Those who maybe are going to lose income because they're not able to work. Perhaps in the midst of this virus, we could also experience another pandemic. A pandemic of the love of Christ spreading and infecting throughout our neighborhoods, our communities, and our world. History shows that when crisis hits in the world, the church tends to shine. I love this quote by the great Christian author G.K. Chesterton. He once wrote, at least five times the faith, Christianity, has to all appearance gone to the dogs. Feels that way sometimes. We look at our culture, we see more and more people not engaged in the life of a church. We find fewer and fewer people professing faith in Christ. Many even leading up to this week wondering what's going to happen if the church can't physically gather. Chesterson says at least five times the faith has all the appearance of gone to the dogs, but then he says this, in each of these five cases, it was the dog that died. Christianity shines in the midst of a crisis. And that's the invitation. I was reminded of this a few nights ago. My boys and I were at home figuring out what's the next thing that we're going to do while we're at home. And uh, we decided to watch a movie together. And we decided on a great cinematic classic called Honey, I Blew Up That Kid. Some of you might remember. uh, Stars one of the finest actors of our time, Rick Moranis. And uh, if you've never seen the movie, the title pretty much gives the plot away. So Rick Moranis is a scientist, and in the first movie, he accidentally shrinks all the kids. In the second movie, he blows up the baby. And they find uh, throughout the story of the film that it's electric currents that causes the baby to grow. And, And so, you know, when the baby comes across light or electricity, He gets bigger and bigger to the point where he gets over 100 feet tall, and they get nervous because he's headed for Las Vegas. And Las Vegas, of course, the strip of Las Vegas is just littered with lights. 
And so as this baby walks through the strip of Las Vegas, he's getting bigger and bigger, and the people are afraid that he is just going to be unstoppable. Now, it's a silly movie, but as I watch that and I think about it, I can't help but wonder, what would it look like? What would it look like in this season for people to just come into contact with the light? What would it look like for people to come into contact with the light of Christ? And for the church's impact to just grow and grow and grow. What might it look like for the people of God to share the Lamb, to share Christ in such a way this season that we might be an unstoppable force, that the church could grow exponentially? Friends, we receive the Lamb, but then we share the Lamb. And lastly, we worship the Lamb. Moses and Aaron, they go from here, And they pass on all these instructions to the people. And then in Exodus 12, 27, the second half of the verse, the people respond spontaneously. We read, it says that the people bowed down and they worshipped. They bowed down and worshipped. What is worship? The Greek for worship literally means to kiss toward, to express our affection and love for God. We praise him for all that he's done, all that he's doing, and all that he's promised. And worshiping the lamb is actually a picture of the new heaven and earth. It's a picture of where God is taking us, of what God has destined us for. If you were to read on in the Bible and you get to Revelation, this great vision that Christ gives the apostle John of the age to come, the new heaven, the new earth, there's this section in Revelation 5 where it says that John looked and he heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but I think that's over 100,000 angels. Just picture this scene. It says that they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and in a loud voice they were saying, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and wealth, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is in them, saying, to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be praise, and honor, and glory, and power, forever and ever. Friends, for those of us who are in Christ, this is what we're destined for. We're destined for worship. We're destined to worship the Lamb. This is where all of creation is going. This is how we will spend eternity together. So why not spend our time doing that now? Why not spend our time worshiping the Lamb as the people of God now? Why not spend our time worshiping God in song, worshiping God through prayer, through meditating upon Scripture, through giving, through generosity, through words of praise, through sharing the ways that we're seeing God at work? I don't know about you, but my heart just yearns for worship in this season. We all are in need of salvation and sustenance, blood and bread. And the good news is is that God saves us and sustains us in and through Christ. And so let's offer our lives to him. I want you to prayerfully consider a few next steps this week. We may all have a little more time on our hands So we can give more time to prayerfully reflecting on these next steps. The first is this, that I will receive the lamb. 
I'll receive the lamb. Maybe there's some of you this morning who are watching online or are here. Who, as you hear this, you, you realize you need the lamb. Your heart yearns to receive Jesus as your savior, your Passover lamb. He is the lamb who's come to take away the sin of the world, which means he's come to take away your sin as well. What would it look like this morning for you to receive him, to give your life to him? Second, I want to invite you to look for opportunities to share Christ with your nearest neighbor this week. What might that look like? What might it look like to share an encouraging word, to check in on someone, to serve someone, to be a source of hope and peace in the midst of chaos? And lastly, I will spend time in worship this week, praising God for his salvation and his sacrifice. What would it look like for you to use some of this extra space to spend more time worshiping the Lamb this week? Well, let us at least do that now. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you that as we read this ancient story, it's not just this story of something significant that God did thousands of years ago to deliver his people, but it's our story. That if we say yes to you, we can experience your salvation and we can experience your sacrifice. And so, Jesus, I pray for each and every person that's worshiping with us here today, whether here in person or online, I pray that they would receive the Lamb, that they would know the gift of your salvation, that they would know that you have drawn near to sustain them. That, Lord, those who cry out, give us this bread, that they would receive it today. And for those of us who we've said yes to you, we've received the lamb, would your Holy Spirit just prompt us, inspire us, challenge us in creative ways to share the lamb, to share Christ with our nearest neighbor. That even as we're socially distant, may we come near. Lord, even now, would you bring someone to mind who just, just needs to experience your love and your peace. And would you help us to show how Jesus' love restores joy and freedom to that person? And Jesus, I also pray that you would just give us a heart for worship. That as we reflect upon that grandiose vision in Revelation, we would realize the invitation for those of us who are in Christ is to join in that multitude someday to worship the Lamb. And so we do so now in anticipation of what is to come. We give ourselves to you. We offer you our affection. We offer you our love. And as we worship, may we just experience your presence in a special and tangible way this morning. Thank you for being our Savior. Thank you for being the one who sustains us. May we rest in you this morning, today, and each and every day. We love you, Jesus, and we pray these things in your name. Amen.
Well, it has been a great morning of worship, coming together before God in song and prayer and hearing from his word and responding. We are so grateful uh, that you have chosen to worship with us today. Uh, This is typically the time in the service where I would ask everyone to take out their connection card, but I realize the majority of people worshiping today are online and do not have a connection card to take out. Um, So for those of you online, uh, if you're needing to connect with us in any way, Uh, If you have a prayer request or uh, you would like to serve in some way, um, then you can indicate, you're watching on Facebook, so you can indicate by uh, leaving a comment for us there in the thread, or um, if you have uh, a church email address, you can uh, follow up with us there. Um, I do want to highlight a few things that are coming up in the life of our church, um, whether in person or uh, virtually. Um, First of all, on that note, we are, we're, we're monitoring the, the coronavirus and the impact that it's having kind of moment by moment, real time. And so um, whatever decisions we make today could change drastically tomorrow. And so um, we will we'll keep the church posted as um, we make decisions and we make changes. Uh, we'll do that online, phone tree, all of our different modes of communication. Um, we are in a season of Lent, and uh, Lent leads up to Holy Week. And so as of now, we have... Uh, a few Holy Week gatherings that are planned. Um, And again, for those of you online, we'll post all these announcements uh, on Facebook so you can can see uh, what's coming up. But uh, we will have our Monday, Thursday service, uh, April 9th at 6.30 p.m., either here or uh, online. And then our Good Friday gathering will be with um, both Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. We're going to be partnering with our sister church in Taylor. Uh, So... Um, Journey of Hope Community Church, and that that will be at 6.30 p.m. also on April 10th. And then Sunday, April 12th, is Easter Sunday, and I think we'll all be ready for Easter by that point. Um, Weather permitting and virus permitting, uh, we will start with an Easter egg hunt at 9 a.m. and a continental breakfast along with that, and then our Easter celebration service at 10.30 a.m. We look forward to that. It's going to be a great day. And uh, we hope that you can join us. And then the only other thing I want to highlight this morning, um, our Chandler Center is going to be running its first ever citizenship class starting April 15th. So tax day. Um, This will start uh, on Wednesdays and will go for 10 weeks from 6.45 to 8 p.m. So if you uh, are looking to become a U.S. citizen, then you can jump into this class. You can register for this class. Uh, If you'd like to volunteer in some way, we need teachers, which I believe I've been told the only thing that you really need to know to teach this class is you know how to speak English, and if you have an interest in, like, history and civics and government, that helps too. Um, So we need teachers, child care providers, administrative people, uh, conversation group leaders. If, If you want to serve in any way, we have an opportunity for you uh, you can email Nate Karela, so listen to this, at G-N-C-A-R-E-L-A at gmail.com, and we'll post that online as well. Uh, but we, we think this is just a great opportunity uh, for us as a church, and um, our, 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 I think can't, I'm losing the word here, our daughter ministry, Chandler Center, um, just a great opportunity for us to show how Jesus' love restores joy and freedom Um, to Metro Detroit and specifically to the Lincoln Park community. Well, this time we would also invite the ushers forward to receive our offering. 
but there are no ushers this morning. So uh, those of you watching online, we encourage you um, to give at dearbornfmchurch.org. Uh, for those of you here, our small group here, we actually just have offering plates in the back rather than passing it today. So on your way out, if you brought a gift um, or if you have a connection card, you can drop it in the plate. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to continue in worship through song. Lord Jesus, you have given us everything. We've looked at that this morning. You gave us yourself, that through your sacrifice, uh, we could be set free and forgiven of our sin. And so in response, we worship you. And one of the ways we worship is through giving. And so we give back. 